My name is Rachel Peru and I'm a 50-year-old grey-haired curve model and I'm going to be your host for the Out of the Bubble podcast. I started a new career age 46 modelling and on social media I found so many women, inspiring and amazing women over 40 who were really embracing their midlife and helping to break down the stereotypical barriers. I really wanted to share these stories with you, so let's celebrate and firmly place a spotlight on women over 40. My weekly reminder that you are not invisible and it's never too late to try something new. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Bubble podcast. I hope you've all had another great weekend. Blue skies and snowdrops on my walk this morning, so I feel like we're one step forward nearer to spring as we're in February, so I'm looking forward to turning the page into spring. Can't wait for it. It always makes you feel like you've got spring in your steps. So this week we are talking to Liza Collier, who during lockdown wrote the book Big Girl Pants, sharing her personal journey of getting through divorce amicably and how you can too. Now we know there's been a rise statistically in divorce during COVID and, you know, increase of people living longer means that more divorce is happening over 50s. It's a subject we can't avoid. And it's interesting actually looking through the demographics of the the 92 guests that I've had so far on the podcast that lots of them have themselves gone through divorce and then come out the other side and gone on to do other amazing things in the next chapter of life. But it's a subject we can't avoid. So I'm really looking forward to taking some tips from Lisa today about how people can really help themselves as they go through divorce. Personally, I've, you know, I've been through it myself at 40. I found myself getting divorced at 40. And also my parents got divorced and I know what impact that had on me later in life. So really going to be an interesting conversation today with Lisa. Grab a coffee and enjoy. So good, good morning, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I think we've got a lot to talk about here about divorce and, and a lot in common. So thank you so much for joining me. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. You know, we've got, as I said, we've got lots in common. I, I got divorced at 40. My parents have both got divorced as well. And it's a really difficult conversation to have with people about divorce. So I suppose we have to start at the beginning for you before we get down to the nitty gritty of the, of the subject. Your journey through divorce and what led you to writing the book in the first place? Sure. Um, so I was also, my parents got divorced and I never thought that I'd get divorced. In fact, I was quite vehemently against it but it wasn't a choice that I really had um during 2018 my ex-husband just withdrew and it became very obvious that he wasn't happy and wasn't all that keen on on you know going for for counseling or anything he went for counseling on his own um and as I outline in the book it was a it wasn't a, a quick decision it wasn't like one day we just woke up and we're like oh let's get divorced it was a a long series of should we shouldn't we but really the decision making was taken out of my hands it was very much his choice and I felt like a a passive bystander just waiting for this decision to be made about my life and it was incredibly disempowering because I didn't have a vote really Um, I was basically waiting for him to make his mind up as to whether or not he wanted to stay in the marriage um, and when he ultimately decided, right, um, you know, he, he wants to end the marriage, it was a massive shock, but at the same time, almost a relief because I could then move forward. And rather than having this sort of sword of Damocles hanging over my head, like what was going to happen with my life. And so, so that's sort of what happened you know, from a, a very shortened uh, version. And I went into a sort of fast flow of sort of saying right well if we're getting divorced then then let's get on with it but the thing that I held in the back of my mind uh throughout was 
I very distinctly remember the 10th of August 1983 when I was playing hockey on outside my house and my parents called me in and said we're getting a divorce and I remember my life having like a before and an after moment like before like my life was just normal and after it wasn't and I knew that I was going to be doing that to my children and it made me feel so sick and I didn't want them to go through I mean when my parents had an amicable divorce but I I just felt like my whole world changed and from then on I had to be a diplomat from the age of 10 like and manage this sort of situation and I just knew that I wanted to get divorced amicably no matter what I wanted to get divorced amicably so I focused on that and that's how the sort of journey unfolded and you know that you could have easily gone through that like like most people that do through the divorce they get through it and they then they eventually start to build their life again and move on but you decided to write it all down in a book was that quite a therapeutic process was that part of your healing in a way massively so throughout the journey i i started writing probably from um probably the august of 2018 we went on a holiday and it was an awful holiday and i just knew things weren't right and i started writing then about how i was feeling and for the first time ever in my marriage i thought about was this even right for me which was literally the first time i'd ever even entertained the idea and then throughout the process of him going through his figuring out what he wanted to do and was he going to stay in the marriage i wrote about how i was feeling and then when he had made his decision you know how i felt then and throughout the process thereafter i just kept writing notes because when i write i make sense of how i feel so I had a job lot of content that was basically there. And what ended up happening was I was very open and honest on Facebook because it's closed to my friends only. And, And I was very honest about what was going on. And I ended up getting a number of people who were friends, but not close friends. So like clients from ages ago or people that I knew peripherally through school and things like that suddenly out of the blue started contacting me and saying I'm getting divorced too and I'm really inspired by what you're writing because I'm going through the same thing and I'm and I don't know how you're dealing with it and I actually had one woman call me on a regular basis in hysterics just going I don't know how to do this I'm I, I haven't eaten I haven't slept how are you remaining so calm how are you doing this and I kept giving the same advice over and over and over so I just thought if I've got all this content about my journey and I'm giving the same advice it just makes sense to stick it in a book and it wasn't about making a fortune from the book I just wanted to get it down for my benefit but also for anyone else who was going through the same thing so that they could potentially learn from it. Because it is a really isolated time. I know when I got divorced, I was just before my 40th birthday and with a group of friends that I've had for a very long time that were all very happily married. And so I really was out on a limb and didn't really have any other girlfriends to connect with. So I can imagine having a book to kind of help me process how I was feeling and to try and reframe things a little bit would have been really beneficial. Well, I think the thing is, no one talks about it. They might talk Mm. about it a little bit, but no one really goes into the... Yeah, they'll say I'm getting divorced, but most people are sort of semi-embarrassed almost to say that they're getting divorced. They feel like a failure, you know, whether it's them making the decision to get divorced or not. Either way, you feel like an idiot, like you're either the person breaking up the marriage by making the decision or you're the idiot who's receiving this and you feel like the loser that's being rejected in some way. You know, you sort of and so people keep quiet about it and they sit with this sort of shame almost and no one talks about this 
you know, the decision-making process that you go through to get to the point of saying, right, we're ending this marriage. I haven't seen anything out there about it. You know, it's yeah. just more, it's how, how do you have a divorce or the, the practicalities or the legalities? And I wanted to sort of show this is the kind of process you go through. This is the real hurt and what it feels like. And this is what you're likely to go through from a completely practical, matter-of-fact so you've decided to get divorced. Now what happens, not from a legal point of view, but things like, do you stay in your house? How do you divvy up the stuff you own? How does it feel to do that? What happens with your friends? Like who's, who keeps the friends? Yeah. You know, all that stuff. You know, what do I do with my kids? How do I tell the kids? How do I even tell people that I'm getting divorced? All of that stuff. I thought, well, this is how I did it. And I like to believe I did it as well as I could. Did I do it perfectly? Probably not. But because I was really determined to be the bigger person and be amicable about it. I think I did an okay job. And the people who have read the book have sort of said it's helped. It's helped them sort of refocus on what they should be worrying about rather than expecting perfection. Because it is a roller coaster and nothing can, can prepare you for it. And, you know, for me personally, it was my decision to, to leave the marriage. But you're so right. It's on both sides. It's that horrible feelings of, you know, of, of guilt, shame, not, not having friends that will understand where you're coming from and, and burying it all. So I love the fact that there's this book out there that can help guide people and just have something that you can relate to. And it's interesting yes. because I'm the same as you. My parents got divorced. So I was 15. My, you know, my mentioning my my dad's name in front of my mum is a bit like the Harry Potter and you know the unmentionable name it's a bit like that and so I was the same as you I was determined to make sure that when we came out of this that me and their dad still have a really good amicable friendship at the end of it all which we have managed to do yeah but it's not I that easy challenge, no I think the challenge is as well that you can start off with good intentions like you really mm. can. You can go, right, well, let's, you know, you know, it's really upsetting that we're getting divorced, but it's best for everyone. Let's just do this and let's do this amicably. And then as it unfolds, that's when all the bits come out that things start to get nasty. And it could be the financial settlement or who's going to stay in the house or the share of kids, like who's going to have more or less or equal and how the practicalities of it. You know, how do you split a household in two? You know, who who's going to, I mean, we had a massive argument about who was going to keep the Christmas decorations, for example. Um, you know, and it's stupid things like that. And you, and it's little things that come up. And then there's, in fact, in the book, there's a, a chapter called the plot twist. And everyone's going to have a plot twist at some point in their divorce. When things are going nicely, something will come up and throw you off course. And it doesn't matter how amicable you had been up until that point, that's when things get nasty. And in my case, I discovered three months after he, he'd asked for the divorce that he'd been having an affair for the year, for the last year of our marriage. And he had denied it emphatically and had really very much made it out that it was my fault. You know, it was like, I just wasn't a good enough wife or I wasn't loving enough or anything like that. And, you know, discovering that I could easily have you know really dropped the amicable ball and <laughs> gone, yes. got, gone nasty but I just kept focusing on you know being amicable and it can be insanely hard uh, to do it but th that's why so in, in in the book there are five rules that I mention at, at the very beginning uh, of the book and I say if you read nothing else just read the five rules 
of the book um yeah to, to get you through this and you know, i can i can run you through them if you like yes but... please i was going to say that was my next question what what, what are they because i'm sure you know <laughs> it's interesting because I, um, I said in the introduction that you know i've interviewed 92 women on the podcast now and there is a large percentage of women that have uh, that i've interviewed that have gone through divorce and that have then gone on to have a, a you know an exciting new chapter afterwards but they have had to go through that and obviously during the pandemic we've seen that you know the divorce rate and separation rates increased again so this is something that that lots of people that I'm sure are listening need these tools for. So what yeah. what are your top five tips? So my top five tips, and um, they are in the book. <laughs> some language issues. It's a little slightly <laughs> bit wary because funnily enough, I was quite angry some of the time. Yeah. Um, so I apologise for any bad language. Uh, caution to any listeners. Just to say as well that these rules, although I wrote them about getting divorced, apply to literally anything in life. I think I've used them for everything. So rule number one is keep your eye on the prize. So what is it that you really want at the end of the day? And for a lot of people, they will go, I want the family home, or I want to screw them over, and I want to take all the money. But ultimately, I think if you really dig deep, what you're going to want is a happy, joyful, pleasant, fulfilled life after this. And you're going to want to uh, hopefully just not be this angry, you know, acrimonious person having a, a miserable time. For me, my prize was, I want you know good, well-functioning children that are not impacted by this. I don't want them to be sort of, you know, the sort of roadkill in this, in this horrible accident that's happened. So for me, it was about keeping my eye on that prize constantly and going, is this going to help make it better or worse? Is this going to have, is it going to make our relationship so antagonistic that it's going to have an impact on whether we can go sit together at our children's graduation or their wedding or do parents evenings together or whatever so for me that was number one focus on what you really want as the end goal like really think about that number two was life isn't fair suck it up and honestly when you think about life you know I'm a very blessed individual I'm educated I have got enough money I've got my own house I've got a lovely family and friends I've got my health I've got a lot about me that is I'm perfectly blessed a lot of people don't have it that fair they've got all sorts of issues and you know what they have to just get on with it and so sometimes when you get divorced you think it's not fair I'm the one doing the right thing and they're not or whatever and it's not fair it's not fair it's not fair that I didn't ask for this I didn't have the affair I didn't whatever it's not fair why should I have to put up with it and honestly it is just a case of it, you've just got to suck it up but the book is called big girl pants I was gonna right? say is that where you get the name from yeah yeah you know, just put your big girl pants on and get on with it because life isn't fair so suck it up but that leads you promptly to rule number three which is um let that shit go and there is a, an image that I saw on Instagram or something a while ago, which was of a butterfly that has a little piece of string and tied to it as a rock. And if you imagine that that rock is all the anger, all the vitriol, all the hurt, all the everything that you're hanging on to, everything you want to say to that person, if you just snip that line and let it go, you're free to go and fly. And it is remarkable if you just let that go. But so many people, when they get divorced, they literally want to lug this misery around with them. You know, they, they can't let it go. They're so angry and they're so upset that they just want to punish the other person. They, want, they feel it's not fair. And so why should they let it go? They need to have this anger because it almost fills a hole <laughs> they haven't found the thing that they're going to step into yet. So hanging on to that anger and rage or whatever, is what keeps them going, but it's it's not helpful. So you just have to let it go. And that comes down to 
little things. Like I give examples in um, in the book where I would be grocery shopping and you you get used to buying like your husband's brand of cereal that they like, you know, and then suddenly you're shopping and you think, and I'm still sharing a house, house with them because we haven't separated. And you think, I'm not going to put his favorite cereal in. Screw him. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to choose my favorite brand of cereal. And before you know it, you're standing in the supermarket crying your eyes out, realizing that from now on, you can actually choose whatever cereal you like. Um, but at the same time, you're going, I'm going to upset him and really piss him off if I choose the wrong cereal in this situation, right? So just put the cereal in. What's it going to cost you? Two quid? It's being a bigger person. Let it go. Who cares? Just do the nice thing. And then rule number four is kind of just look after yourself. So many people get into the zone. They forget about taking care of themselves. So they either drink to excess or don't eat or eat to excess or don't exercise or don't get fresh air or don't sleep or don't see friends. They're in panic mode. And you have to just take time out. You have to almost be selfish with it and just say, I have to do me now. I have to take time for me because you cannot get through this unless you're looking after yourself because mm -hmm. it is monumentally challenging so i think taking care of yourself is really important and then the final rule is just keep effing going and the reason i've got that rule in is because one of my lovely friends in fact the, the woman who i dedicated the book to was you you need a team of girlfriends to get you through this and um yeah. she would just be somehow aware of what was going on in my world without me saying a word and one day she just shoved through my letterbox a little silver bracelet and inside the bracelet it just said keep fucking going and it was exactly what I needed because it just felt like I can't I can't anymore and it was like that's what you have to do it's only for a short period of time and it really is a short period of time. It's like when you have babies and you think that baby toddler nightmare stage and they're never going to sleep is going to last forever. And before you know it, you've got teenagers and you're thinking, oh, imagine when they were babies. It goes by fast. And this horrible period that you might be going through will get past and you can do it. But just keep going. Don't yeah. fall into an abyss of self-pity and loathing or anything else. It'll be fine at the end. A friend bought me a friend bought me a um a poster which I had on the side of my bed for years that said this soon shall pass. And that was my morning. It was the first thing I saw. I had it propped up at the side of my bed, and that would be the first thing I saw. And actually, when a friend of mine got divorced, I then passed it on to her. So it's kind of doing the rounds. Because you do need those little moments to remind you, don't you? Absolutely. Seriously. Did you have therapy as well? Or did you just manage to get because those rules are when you listen to them out loud like that, they seem perfectly like common sense. And yes, absolutely. If we all stuck to that, we would be so much happier. But it is a hard thing to do on your own. Did you have extra support as well? I didn't go and see a therapist. I, I'm trying to think if I, I don't think I did. I went through a, initially when he first said um, he wanted a divorce, I really battled. And I, I did go to a pharmacist and said, I need some kind of calm thing. Mm. I didn't have any antidepressants, but I needed something to calm me down. So I took that. I didn't go and speak to anyone other than friends. My friends were amazing. What I did um, as therapy was walk. And I know that that sounds crazy, but I describe in, in the book as well, uh, one particular uh, walk. I did lots of walking all the time just to get out and just sort of breathe and, and process yeah. and, and and sit really sit with the feelings I didn't want to just block them so I would go and feel them and really let myself feel them and have a good old cry and and, and it's needed but there was one occasion when um, my ex-husband told me that he was going to be moving away from where we live and to go and live with this woman that he'd been with during our marriage and that he was going to introduce her to our sons and that they were going to probably try and have a baby of their own and it was all a lot to take in at one go 
and, and we hadn't even been, I don't I can't remember if we were even fully divorced. We might have been fully divorced by then, but you know, I was still single, still battling, still, you know, I'd had to change job. I had to give up my own business to find a, a job to get like you know consistent income. I'd had to move house to a much smaller house. And I wanted to make sure it was a family home so the boys had their own space. He didn't. He got to live a flash bachelor pad kind of life. You know, there was a lot that wasn't fair. Um, and I had just let it go and let it go. But I I hadn't, you know, it was still inside me. And I took myself off for a four day walk and on and on my own. And I, on day one, I literally just cried all day. I cried and cried and cried until I had nothing left to cry. And then day two, there was quite a steep hill I had to climb up. So I started doing like a motivational, like you can do this. You've got strong legs out loud to myself. You know, you, you, you've got the power, you can do this. And I spoke out these inspirational things to get me up the hill. And when I got to saying you are lovable I couldn't say it I couldn't say it out loud it just got stuck in my throat but I was like sod this and I made myself say it and I made it I can tell I could eventually say it and believe it but it took you know, eight miles of me talking out loud like a complete nut job you know uh, saying these affirmations and then on day three I went I walked across the top of the moors and I literally shouted at sheep <laughs> all the anger and rage that I had inside me that everything I'd ever wanted to say to him that I hadn't said I just shouted it out to the wind and the sheep and whatever uh, if only the sheep could talk luckily <laughs> <laughs> I was in a very remote part of the world so that, that no one could sort of see this crazy lady um and it got to the crest of a hill and I looked over the valley beneath me after you know yelling quite a lot and I just felt so light and I literally said out loud I release you I forgive you and I wish you happiness. And I genuinely meant it. It was just like, I don't want to have to like this around with me anymore. I don't want to have the anger. I just want to let it go. And so day four, I just was happy. I listened to tunes. I danced along and I felt like a different person. And it was that walking on my own fixed it. And I've had to go through many iterations of it as other, thing, other things have come up. You know, yeah. I discovered yeah. on Christmas Eve this year that he was indeed expecting a new baby. And mm. yeah, there's lots of little things that keep coming up that you think you're over it. And then yeah. something yeah. else comes around and, and, and sort of knocks you for six. But I found that walking was the best therapy there was. It's really interesting that you've just mentioned that, that it's not, you know, you didn't just do that walk and then came back and it was fixed. It's ongoing. There's different stages and different things will come along. And even if it's two years down the line, something might come along in a conversation that really hits you and you think, oh, ouch, that hurt. But it's, it's yeah. managing, isn't it? It's managing those feelings. Yeah. In the book, I refer to them as ninja moments, the things that you least expect. So, for example, there was an occasion where I was making my bed and I noticed that I was always just sleeping on the same side of the bed like you know on one side and I thought gosh I really need to even it out and sleep on the other side and then I realized that I always sleep on the side of the bed that's closest to where the loo is if I have to get up in the middle of the night and then I realized and I thought back to when I was married and was like everywhere we lived I swapped sides of the bed depending on where the loo was and I thought and you know what he never um he never complained about that he always just swapped and you forget some of the nice things about the person that you were married to because you reshaped them as this ogre because of what they've done yeah um, and actually, when you have moments like that, and you suddenly remember those nice things, that sort of sort of takes your breath away at times and you go, oh, yeah, and then you can sort of move on again. But yeah, they're going to keep coming. But it yeah. gets much easier, much, much easier. 
And, you know, I must admit, I slept, I, I used to always sleep on one side of the bed and then I then I went, when I was on my own, I completely slept diagonally across the whole bed and took up as much space as I could. And now I'm with Mark and I'm remarried and Mark drives him mad because I'm still kind of taking more space in the bed. <laughs> exactly. And I think the thing is, as well, is that at the time when you're going through it, first of all, you've got to give yourself time. You know, yeah. you've just got to give yourself time to get through it. And it's really hard when you see life carrying on around you and people are living their best life and it gets lonely sometimes. And like, especially I found when you got divorced, a lot of the couples that I would hang out with, I didn't get yes. invited to things anymore because I wasn't in a couple anymore. And you have to really dig quite deep to get yourself out there, you know, invite friends or go and do stuff on your own. I mean, I actually love going to movies and things on my own. So I would go and do that. Um, but then you sort of embark down that world of, am I going to date again? Um, you know, and Oh, I mean, I've got material for a second book on the joys of online dating. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to contribute to that one. <laughs> which was comedy. But, um, you know, that in itself, it, it's just a journey you go through. And I like to think of it, the whole thing, as as well, two things. One, it's like a book and it's got a plot twist in it, right? Like, if you just have a book that's vanilla and boring and nothing happens, it doesn't make for a very interesting story. So I think if you can reframe this entire thing as yeah this is a bit shitty right now but it's a really good twist in my book and it's gonna you know make for interesting reading down the yeah. line that's a good way of thinking of it and the other thing is if you ever watch a movie and there's always that transformation of someone who's going from you know they really overweight and they want to lose weight to get fit enough to run a marathon or they you know they go from being the nerd to the the jock or whatever you know they have that transformation and it's always set to music and it happens in about five seconds that they do this transformation in the movie and I just see this period of it's just transformation that's what's happening you're, you're undergoing you're doing the hard work it is hard graft it can be lonely it can be a bit rubbish but I think if you let yourself go through it and you try and retain a positive outlook on things the, the outcome is you are so much happier at the end and I know honestly I, I now use a gratitude diary and I am often saying I'm so grateful that I got divorced I'm grateful for this opportunity because I have never been more empowered by going through that I realized what I was capable of how yes. I now you know, I had to find my own house and be my own in charge of my own space and you know everything from light bulbs changing to needing handymen to building stuff to painting stuff to stripping floors to you know getting the car serviced everything that we would have shared as a couple before it's all on me now all the parenting all the finances everything but instead of it being overfacing it's actually a lot easier than I thought I, I get the sense of I've done this I can do all of this stuff on my own I don't need anyone else I might want someone else but I don't need anyone else and that's massively liberating to know that you can do it yeah so you know, I think, I think if anyone's going through the situation, honestly, it might feel like it's not a great thing right now, but in a couple of years time, it'll feel, oh yeah, that was good. I'm a better person now. Definitely. I, I completely relate to that. I, I, I have learned so much more about myself since, you know, in the years when I was single and afterwards, I, you know, it's like discovering who you are again. And that can be obviously it's scary and like you said lonely I think is a really key word there because it is quite a lonely space but it is a space where you can really allow yourself to grow if you embrace it and, and kind of stay open to to what what could be next open is a key word having an open mindset I think people who battle with this are people who've got a very closed mindset they are this is how we've always done it this is how we've always done Christmas. We always see the kids Christmas. This is, we always see my mum at Christmas or whatever it is, right? 
And now I've got divorced. How am I supposed to deal with this? I, I can't adjust that. I can't change it. And my view is I don't want to disrupt Christmas by doing a half and half split and trying to make everyone get equal shares. So we decided quite early on, for example, that when it's my Christmas, I'll have the boys for a week. And, and then when it's his, he'll have them. And so when it was that first Christmas of mine on my own without kids and I haven't got family in the country, I was like, well, what do I do? I mean, friends would invite me, but I don't really want to be that spare person at the table. So I was like, right. So I booked a trip to Jordan and I spent Christmas Day trekking around Petra and Boxing Day riding a camel in the desert. And it was honestly the most amazing, incredible Christmas I've ever had in my life. But if I'd been closed in my mindset and gone, well, no, because Christmas is, this is how we do Christmas, it would have been rubbish. So I think having an open mind and being open to opportunities, saying yes to things that push you out of your comfort zone a bit, it will be the best thing you can ever do. And life now, because we have to talk about the positive side of it as well, is, you know, that you've been through all this and you've got this new chapter. You know, have you have you found love again, for instance? Yes, I have. So a couple of things. So first of all, um, I, I spoke about my job. And so yeah. when I had to take a new job, I started just, I took anything, like an almost an intern role. And so I'm now, within three years, I'm now leading um, the the marketing um, of a company globally and you know because I still have the skills I just didn't have the confidence that I can do it and you know I've taken what I was earning when I started and multiplied it by about four you know mm. so uh, that's that's all good um I did finally meet someone on online dating I mean online dating during uh, a pandemic is an interesting experience um but I had a week to go before my subscription expired and I said I am not renewing this and um, quite by chance, I met a lovely bloke who is as opposite to my ex-husband as you could possibly imagine, completely not what I would have thought, like on like check tick list, this is what I'm looking yeah. for. But we are um, like two peas in a pod and we spend our life adventuring, um, traveling, uh, having amazing experiences, just ridiculously happy and approaching life. With, it's just fun. Honestly, it's just fun. Yeah, fabulous. I must admit, I met Mark, I met, and I'm now married to him on Match.com. And a similar, I had, you know, I was only on it for probably a couple of weeks and I absolutely hated it at first because it's an interesting, it's an interesting journey. Uh, like you say, you could write a whole book about it, but that was something that we just connected with. And then I came off it and talked to him on Facebook for about six months and then eventually invited myself down to London for the weekend. So you can, you can find love online. And I actually think for our age group, it's how else do you meet somebody? It's very difficult nowadays it's to meet very somebody. Difficult. And also, I mean, it's like, you know, you could meet them through a friend, but people, friends try to set you up with a friend and it's awkward because if you don't get on, then you sort of offended their friend. And it's, you know, so actually online dating is fine. You have to be prepared to sort of go through quite a few seriously dodgy you know just ignore 90% of it but I think also that one of the good things I learned was I try to keep a really open mind like because I think initially I was thinking let me try and find someone who was just like my ex-husband and then I thought why I just got divorced from him why would I want someone exactly the same as that and you know someone who had a high-flying career and you know you know was away from work and was really successful because of their career meant that you know what happened we just drifted apart he ended up having an affair so why would I go and actively seek 
the same thing. It makes zero sense, right? So I think if, you, if you're going to go into online dating, have an open mind again. Uh, you sort of open yourself up to different people and different things and trust your instincts. <laughs> yes. You will know if someone's dodgy or not. Yes, absolutely. And what's your relationship now with your ex-husband? Are you, did you manage to come out of it amicably? Are you, you know, will you be able to go to the Christmas school um, events and sit next to each other when the kids see you do that? Yeah, so I think that it's it's hard because it's not really, I sort of had a little, almost like a chart in terms of friendship from a divorce. So, you know, one being you don't speak to each other at all. You've got nothing to do with each other. You literally never see each other again. And that's fine if you don't have kids, honestly, doesn't matter. You know, number two is, you are really antagonistic and you argue and you fight all the time and you have to basically talk through lawyers nightmare Mm -hmm. three is that you have this sort of um very functional you know i'll pick the kids up at this time you do that that yeah that kind of basic four is where you can sort of be slightly beyond that and be sort of on the same page and talk about parenting strategies perhaps and um you know be able to have a family dinner together and there's no dramas and then five is you're actually good friends now I was never really striving for five, but I was looking for four. And I would say we are a four based on my sheer hard work. You know, so if I'm watching one of my sons play rugby, I'll send pictures saying, oh, he got man of the match and he has some pictures. But I, it's not reciprocated. You know, it's very much one sided, but I keep an eye on the prize and I'll try and do it. And so like just this weekend, we had lunch, you know, my ex-husband, myself and one of my sons to discuss his, the son's gap year and what's the best way to do it. So we can still do that kind of thing. And it is amenable. You know, it could be better, I think, uh, genuinely, but you can only do so much. You you know, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make a drink. So as long as, as far as I'm concerned, you know, our children can see that we are pleasant. We talk to each other. We can have dinner together. We're on the same side. It's as good as it can be, I reckon. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think that's I think that's really interesting as well, because there'll be some people listening to this thinking exactly that, that, you know, they're the ones putting all the effort in and they're not getting it reciprocated. So what's the point? You might as well retaliate and have and then it stirs it all up again. But it's mm-hmm. you saying is that that thing that they've of stick to your, you know, stick to the prize. Think of what you want out of this will really help them. I, I think that's really good advice to kind of keep that in your mind. What's best for you right now? Yeah. And, you know, like, I mean, to be honest, just last night, there was a bit of an, an issue where I asked him to back me up on a parenting related issue. And he came back with a less than helpful reply. And um, and my instinct was to send a absolutely vitriolic response going, actually, I think you're probably fine. But I didn't. And I went to sleep and I woke up throughout the night thinking about what I would actually like to say. And in those instances, it's always good just to write down what you would like to say and then put it in the bin because there is no point unless it's really causing an issue. And I have had a few occasions where I've said, right, okay, enough. Well, I need to say my piece. And it's sort of corrected for a bit and then it sort of slides back into to things again. But I think in general, be the bigger person. Let it go. Rule number three. <laughs> let it go and you will be happier for it because they don't deserve your energy they don't deserve your positive your your your, you know put that redirect that energy into something positive that you want to do or something positive that you want to think about or you know spend time with the new bloke in your life or go do something fun for yourself whatever it is they they're in your past and you know my dad my dad is a very wise man and he he said to me um you know very early on he said this man is nothing more now he's just the father of your children he, he has no part to play in your life. And when you have 
just divorced or getting divorced, that is massively hard to hear because you used to share everything with them. You know, they knew everything. The man you show up your day, they're the first person you would call. In fact, when I got offered my job, I immediately was like, oh, I've got a, oh, I don't need to tell you that anymore. And it's really hard to make that mind shift, but it does reach the point where they are just, it's hard to imagine, but they do just become this big part in your life. They're not important anymore. And you you do move on. And the other thing that my dad said was, he said, when you are in the throes of that divorce, you are like a little twig in the river and you don't have much control over the current of the river. Basically, all you can do is go with the flow and eventually you will wash up on the on the shore and you can take root. And that's exactly what happened. And you sort of, you do just go with it. Stop fighting it. Go with it trust it trust the river and then you'll you'll take roots and honestly yeah life now is significantly better i'm just me as a person i'm such a i'm a better stronger more confident more empowered happier more grateful kinder person than i was before well thank you so much for sharing and i wish we'd had this conversation 11 years ago (laughs) (laughs) i could have taken that advice (laughs) I hope it helps anyone, honestly, you know, and I know that everyone's journey is different. I know that some of them will have a really tough time, but it's, it is doable. How can people find out about the book then, Lisa? It's on uh, Amazon. Uh, It's just called Big Girl Pants, uh, Lisa Collier. And um, yeah, it's available as a, uh, like an ebook version or a paperback um, sort of order. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I'll put the links on the end of the podcast notes as well. So my last four questions that I ask all my guests, um, yes. do you have a favourite book that has really inspired you? I love The Salt Path by Raina Wynn. Oh, um, yes, I read do. it. Yeah. Uh, homeless couple walking on the southwest coast path I love walking and I just love this story and I love the beauty of the prose. I just it, and I love the outdoors so I could really feel it. So yeah, yeah that's a go to book for me. What about a song? Did you have a go-to song while you know whilst you were going through all this that really kind of got you in the right headspace? Um, during during my divorce, uh, probably Mr. Brightside by The Killers. I'd put that on and just belt it out. In fact, I had several playlists where I either had like melancholy, oh, I just need to cry songs, but I also had lots of upbeat ones. But that was one that was a typical put the volume up and, and go for it. Love it. I have to confess, this is so cheesy. But I had, when, when I was really going through the middle of it all, I changed my ex-husband's ringtone to I Will Survive. <laughs> so exactly. it, was just, it was just anything to just kind of get you in that right headspace before, before I had a conversation. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> and what about who inspires you? I am going to go with the lovely chap that I've recently met, and his name is Hamish. And he is... Um, just the most remarkable inspiring positive in fact annoyingly positive individual on the planet but he will see the silver lining in everything and he's made me relook at how I look at the world you know he's just so immensely positive and has such an adventurous can-do attitude and yeah he's just he's made me want to be a better person I love that my son's called Hamish too so it's a great name And what about, I try to encourage women to be more complimentary about themselves because I think so often they find it quite hard to accept compliments. So if you were to pay yourself a compliment, what would it be? I actually remarkably, in the past, I would have found this so difficult, but I don't find it difficult now. And I think the, the compliment I'd give myself is that I'm mega resilient. I think resilience is a massive um, sort of a, a good trait to have. And I think if you've got resilience and anyone who goes through a tough time, well, by virtue of going through it, get resilience and I think 
resilience can take you so far. So I know that I'm mega resilient and I like that. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and for writing the book, because I know that it will be able to reach, you know, lots of women that are going through this because it's such a difficult time. So thank you for your positive message. And, and I hope it really just give people some kind of guidance to, to give them something to relate to as they go through it. So thank you so much for sharing. It's been a pleasure You're talking welcome. to you. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to Alyssa's uh, conversation as much as I did. And what really struck me about it was the tips that she shared really can relate to so many different areas in life, not necessarily just on divorce. But if you are going through a divorce right now, then really just hang in there. I know what a roller coaster ride it can be. I know how difficult it is. But trust me, life does get easier and you will get through this and this soon shall pass. So great place to start would be the Big Girl Pants book. And I'll leave the links in the show notes. But it does sound like there's lots of positive uh, motivation and inspiration there to keep you on the right mindset as you're going through this difficult time so sending lots of love to anybody that is going through it right now because I know I know how dramatic it can be and and traumatic but there is light at the end of the tunnel and I love the fact that she's found love again as well because you know that just it's nice to end on on some uh, hope at the end of it all because there is always a second chapter in life or a third chapter or a fourth because that's the beauty now of life isn't it that we can all reinvent ourselves and have these different stages later in life that perhaps our parents generation didn't have so how lucky are we and I think that's something that I'm really grateful of the fact that that we can have these new chapters later on in life and go on to explore different activities with an open mind so lots of look forward to the other end of it i will be back next week with some more inspiration but in the meantime keep being fabulous thank you for listening to the outer bubble podcast i hope it's left you feeling inspired if it has why not come and join our fabulous group of women in the free step out of the bubble facebook group where you can get to connect with other women all at different stages of their midlife journey supporting and inspiring one another you can also come and say hello on instagram at rachel peru one i'd love to know how you intend or how you are already stepping out of your bubble in 2022 and don't forget if you're loving the podcast don't forget to subscribe rate and review your support is much appreciated until next time keep being fabulous